Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. You ready to get in the Word? All right, a couple of places to turn this morning. Um, James chapter 3, excuse me, James chapter 3, Proverbs 18. James 3, Proverbs 18. While you're you're turning there... um, let me say thanks to Bree for leading us in worship today. She's, she's our assistant worship leader, um, which means most of the time when she gets to lead, most of the team is gone. So we, we were way more than half the team missing today between uh, trips that were planned and sickness and last-minute things that came up. So she cobbled together a team, uh, called me and Valerie out of retirement. And um, how many times have I retired? From, anyway... I appreciate her pulling the team together and, and, and keeping the main thing the main thing, and that is getting us the opportunity to stand before the throne of God and worship Him, the only one who deserves our praise. Amen. All right, here we go. James chapter, chapter 3, verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Can somebody say amen to that, right? Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, very, very familiar scripture. The tongue can bring death or life. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap its consequences. Father, we just thank you for your word. Lord, we already sent your spirit convicting and moving and talking. Lord, I pray that you give us the good sense to listen to what you have to say to us today. Lord, and the courage and the faith to put it into practice. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm eager to share this word with you this morning. Uh, Most of this message has been on my heart for, for over a month It was actually the start of what became the Unbalanced series as the Lord continued to sort of amplify that and expand it. And there are certainly some connections to to that series, but but today I think I just want to call this message very simply, Watch Your Words. Watch Your Words. These two scriptures that we just read and and a whole bunch of other scriptures throughout, uh, throughout the Old and the New Testament point us to the same conclusion, and that's this. What comes out our mouths is important. Probably way more important than we realize or give credit to it. Um, so here's the message that has captured me for, for, for weeks now and just won't let me go. Watch your words. Just two areas to discuss today. Sometimes we try to walk the fence on some things, but I want to set them up in statements that actually show they are mutually exclusive. And here's the first one. You can't pray in faith and speak worry. Can't pray in faith and speak worry. You got to watch your mouth, right? You got to watch your words. Let's read some scriptures about it and then we'll draw some conclusions together. Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 through 7. Paul said, don't worry about anything. 
Like he probably just could have put a period there and just walked away, right? Because that, that's, that's mind-changing, life-altering stuff. Don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. You see how he set that up? Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. And then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Matthew chapter 6. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus said, that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or, or clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. Then he asks a really important question. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothes? That's, that's a funny question to ask on a Sunday morning, right? Why worry about your clothes? Look at all the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work. They don't make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Now look at the connection here. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about the things uh, about these things, saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? Those things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your Heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So seek the kingdom of God above all things. Live righteously, and He'll give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Then one verse from Peter, 1 Peter 5 and 7. He says very, very simply and clearly, 1 Peter 5 and 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. Give them all to God because he cares for you. Listen, you can't pray in faith and worry at the same time because faith and worry occupy the same space. Sometimes it's called your heart, sometimes it's called your soul or your inner man, but the bottom line is you don't have faith until you become absolutely convinced of something in your heart. And if you're worrying about it, you're not absolutely convinced. It's a hard truth to live out. But you ask any honest veteran believer in this room, and they'll all, if we're being honest, we'll tell you the same thing, worry and faith just won't work together. Can I get an amen from somebody? Right? So how do you know that you're worried? How do you know that somebody's worried? It comes out their mouths. Isn't that right? Whatever's in your heart comes out your mouth. That's what the Lord said. So it, it, if you just listen long enough, you'll find out. And it comes out, oftentimes it sounds like unbelief. But I want you to remember this. Worry always speaks against the word of God in a situation. Worry always speaks against the word of God in a situation. Our tongues have the power of life when they speak in line with what the word says, but they have the power of death when they speak against it. And if you're not careful, your worry will cause careless words to cancel out the prayers that you just offered in faith. They're opposites. Let me give you an example. 
Let's say your child is, is either wandering far from the Lord or isn't saved, right? And I could ask, there'd be hands everywhere. If you've got kids or family members that have wandered away from the Lord and you pray that God will save their soul or that they'll have this prodigal son experience where they come to themselves and they come back to the Father, right? And it's a wonderful biblical prayer. Always the will of God to pray for souls. No question about that. And then two days later, they make a decision that you don't like. Or they do the absolute opposite of what you've been praying that they would do. They do something that takes them further away from the life of of following the Lord that you wanted them to to make. So what are you going to say in that moment? I know what you prayed, but now what are you going to say? Are you going to speak death? Does it come out like, I just don't know if that child will ever do what they're supposed to do. Right? I, don't know what, I don't know what we did wrong raising that one. They might just be too far gone. Y'all ever heard anybody? No, I mean, you wouldn't ever say anything like that, but other people, those other people might say stuff like that. Or, or are you going to choose in that moment to speak life? You could say over the same situation, well, praise God, the devil must be getting nervous because God is up to something. Right, That child is on a journey back to the Lord and even if they've taken a wrong turn, God knows what he's doing. So I'm still praising God for what I'm believing for. Do you see the, the, the difference? You, you see how the worry for your child caused you to speak death over something that you just prayed in faith for? There's power in coming into agreement with the word of God over a situation. But it has to last more than a moment of prayer. You can't just call up your faith and your courage to pray over something and then just let it all go and forget about it. It it has to be a decision that you make that until the prayer is answered once and for all, I'm going to continue to believe and to speak life and to speak faith instead of speaking worry death. That's why Paul said in the scriptures we just read, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. You see how he set them up as opposites. Jesus said, when you worry about everything, you're showing you have too little faith because worry and faith are opposites. Peter said, give all your worries and cares to the Lord because he cares for you. That's an exchange that happens at the altar. We give our cares and we receive the peace of God. We give those to him and he gives us his blessing and his assurance because they can't coexist. You can't do a little praying and a little believing. You can't do a little praying and, sorry, not believing. You can't do a little praying and a little worrying. Right? Fretting in the spirit is not a thing. If it was, we'd be spiritual giants up in here, wouldn't we? It's become so accepted and so overlooked, we don't talk about it. It's kind of our our dirty little secret. Everybody knows we all do it because it's just so natural and so easy. But it's deadly to our prayers. And then we get mad at God because he doesn't answer our prayers when we supposedly prayed in faith, but all the while our words of worry are to blame. It's a lesson God's been teaching me personally, and I'm trying to pass it on to you, right? So why is worry such a big deal? Why is worry so harmful to faith? Because worry is a form of pride. Worry is a form of pride. 
And faith and pride are opposites. Words of worry ask, what am I going to do about this? Situation comes up, what am I going to do about this? How am I going to fix this? Prayers of faith say, what's God, God, what are you going to do about this? God, how are you going to fix this? Two completely different things. When, when you're both worrying and praying, you're trying to go in two different directions at the same time, and the laws of physics would beg to differ. That's not a thing either. You can't do both at the same time. Worry is a form of pride because you assume that the solution to the problem is going to pass through the wisdom of your mind or through the strength of your hands or, or be provided through your resources. And you can't think of anything outside of what you're able to provide. You're worried because you can't fix it and you assume that it's all on you. So sometimes what we, what we call a prayer is really just a request that God would point us in the right direction so we can go handle it. Isn't that right? Don't you ask God for a hint every once in a while? You don't, you're not giving it to him. You just want him to help you do it. Y'all don't pray? Do y'all not pray in here? Y'all don't sin? Sorry, I'm working my stuff out right here in front of all these perfect folks. Right? I just need God to give me a hint that I'm going in the right direction. That's not prayer. That's pride. It's pride. God's now our trusty assistant. When you truly pray in faith, God responds immediately to say, stand down, boy. I've got this. I've got this. He may or may not have a role for you to play in the solution to this problem. He may or may not give you a brand new insight or an idea. He may or may not leverage a resource over which you have control. But the point is, if worrying actually worked, the problem would already be solved. Jesus said you're worrying about it isn't accomplishing anything because that's not what worry is designed to do. It can't add a single moment to a life or an inch to your height. Worry keeps your mind busy and your heart overwhelmed with distraction, with responsibility for something you were never intended to carry. You are all spun up on, about trying to solve a problem that's never been, is never really yours to solve. It, it's, worry is like a rocking chair. There's lots of activity. There's just no progress. Right? You get to the end of the day. You worked hard, but you're exactly in the same spot. Now you're just tired and a little cranky. Right? It takes faith to lay something on the altar, but it's your pride that causes you to pick it back up. And that often comes in the form of worry. John, I still don't get how a little worrying, a little worrying is going to cancel out all my prayers or how it's pride. Well, well, think of it this way. If you're worrying about it, you're still retaining responsibility for the outcome. If you're still responsible for the answer, why did you bother praying about it? If you think it's all on you, Why'd you bother God with it? It's like you walked up to God, you looked him over, and decided that you were better suited to handle it. Isn't that right? 
So how is that not pride? If you're still worrying about it, you aren't convinced. You either trust him with it or you don't. You either leave the responsibility in his hands or you don't. Is this truth today? All right. It ain't fun truth, but it's truth. So I've been in pastoral ministry for 31 years now. For the first 20, I was on staff uh, for, for three other pastors at two different churches. One of the differences I recognized immediately after becoming lead pastor is the responsibility. Because I could always pass everything up to the pastor, right, on, on staff. But I, I immediately realized the, 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 the burden of the responsibility. I, I'd had a seat at the table for most of the major decisions that were made in those two churches over those 20 years while I was on staff. But I gave my input, and then I walked away. The responsibility belonged to the pastor. I was still interested in the decision, Right? I was still concerned that we, that we get it right, but I wasn't worried about it because it wasn't my responsibility. That's the position we have to take in prayer. When we pray in faith, we leave it in God's hands. And we need to allow the responsibility for that issue to transfer to his broad and capable shoulders so we can walk away from it without worrying about it. But not disinterested, it doesn't mean that you're going to forget it. It's not that you're not concerned about it anymore or that you're disconnected from it, but we're simply not carrying the burden for what's next because that rests solely on the shoulders of the Lord when we pray, right? We, you, we've got to learn to pray in faith, to walk in peace and eliminate worry. Well, how do you do that? You rest in the love of God. You rest in the love of God. Didn't Peter say, give your worries and cares to the Lord because he cares for you, right? Didn't Jesus say over and over again, doesn't God love you more than the birds? Doesn't he love you more than the flowers? Doesn't he care for you more than all of these things? It, you, you say, but, but John, it's a really important thing and I, I can't help but worry about it. There is a natural concern over serious things, clearly. But it can't overflow into your belief systems and your thought patterns and words that cancel out your faith. So how do you find peace? Well, here's Isaiah 26, 3 through 4. You will keep in perfect peace. This is a prayer of the Lord. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always because he's, the Lord God is the eternal rock. You keep your thoughts fixed on the Lord and that's where you find peace. It takes work. It takes discipline. It takes practice. But the results are worth it because aren't, aren't you exhausted from worry? Isn't anxiety a burden to drag around? And it, if there's a better way to a better place, isn't it worth the effort to get there? So look at, look, look at Philippians chapter 4. It's like, keep my, my mind fixed on the Lord. Like, what am I supposed to think about? So Paul tells us, now, brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what's true and what's honorable and what's right 
and what's pure and what's lovely and what's admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Things, another, another translation it says things that are of good report. Keep putting into practice all the things you've learned and received from me. Everything you saw, uh, you, uh, you heard from me and saw me do. And, and then the peace of God, or the God of peace, will be with you. You think on those things, and the God of peace will be with you. And when you think on these things, it helps you to speak those things instead of speaking worry. You speak things that are true. Because that's what you've been thinking about. You speak things that are just and pure and are of the right report instead of the anxiety and the fear and the worry of that moment. Again, it takes discipline. But it's the life that Jesus died for us to have. Access to the power and the peace of the Father through faith. Praying in faith is important. But eliminating worry from your words and from your life is just as important. You can't do both at the same time. Here's the second area we need to watch our words. You can't live in victory and speak defeat. You can't live in victory and speak defeat. Man, this one has really been getting to me lately, especially in my own life. But I've had some conversations with some seasoned saints who were hearing and dealing with the same thing. The Lord's saying the same thing in their lives as well. The book of James offers one of the most powerful paths to discipleship. And, and honestly, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not optional. It's not a suggestion. God's really not into suggestions. I don't know if you've noticed that. Um, it's not a suggestion for those who are serious about following Jesus. If you claim, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if you claim to be a follower of Jesus and a person who is pursuing the person of Jesus, then here, this is for you, James 1 and 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Now, I know us Southerners think we've got a leg up. It doesn't say speak slow. <laughs> okay. It says slow to speak. <laughs> you can tear somebody up. It might take you like five minutes to get there, but you can still do it. That's not what he's talking about. All right? We live in a society that is speak first, Reflect later, maybe. Actually, now, mostly, it's speak first. When we reflect later, let's double down on our first mistake and act like we meant it, right? It, we have created tools that allow us to narrate the events of our lives in real time. Every stray thought gets published for a million eyes to see. And all the while, the wisdom of God in the book of James goes unheeded. Slow to speak. Slow to get angry. Quick to listen. If the message is watch your words, this has got to be a key component, right? Words are a lot easier to watch if you're careful about which ones you let out in the first place. Here's what I'm learning as I get older. The world is not going to get changed by my opinions, my rants, my raves, and my arguments. 
It's just not. No, no, nobody cares. Nobody cares because nobody's listening. Because we're all preparing our own rants and raves and opinions. And we're just yelling at each other, neither of us listening to the other. So why in the world are we wasting our time and breath and effort at doing that? I am learning it is not lying if you don't tell everything that's in your brain at any given time. You are not obligated to speak everything that's on your mind. As a matter of fact, it is the wisdom of God that teaches you to hold your tongue until God has helped you understand what's really going on in the first place. You ever walked up in a situation and thought you knew what was going on until you stood there for a minute and then went, oh, that's not what's happening at all. I, I, I was wrong. My first instinct, my first judgment was wrong. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, I didn't do anything I didn't see the Father doing. He, Jesus said... I didn't say anything he didn't tell me to say. Wow. How are we going to say what the Father's saying if we keep talking instead of listening? How are we going to know what he's saying? I hear the wisdom of the old folks. What they used to say, hush, child. And I might hear the Lord whispering that, oh, maybe screaming that at us. Hush, child. Just hush. Maybe just a couple of examples, and, and, and the Holy Spirit can expand it wherever, everywhere that we might need it. God promises victory over our past hurts, right? He gives us victory over our past hurts. But you have to be careful how you talk about it. I've known people who were stuck in their past. I'm, I'm not y'all, I mean those other people who stuck in their past. All they wanted to talk about was how bad something, someone or something hurt them, but they never seemed to have any intention of moving towards victory in that area. They, they've allowed the past to defeat them and now define them until it's become their identity. I don't... I don't want this to, uh, to startle you and it's coming from a place to where I've been here too and I'm going to explain a little more of that in a minute. But how are you ever going to walk in your healing if you won't ever stop wallowing in the offense? Okay? You say, John, haven't you been talking about identifying our pain and getting help? Absolutely. You identify it for the purpose of getting healed from it not for the purpose of rehearsing it over and over again, driving it deeper and deeper into your soul. You tell your story for the sake of sharing your burden, not sharing your bitterness. That's two very different things. You should absolutely share your problems with each other. It's in the Word, New Testament, over and over again. You share with each other, bear each other's burdens, ask for prayer when you need it. It's 100% okay not to be okay, but be sure that the motive is to help you move towards victory over that thing. In 31 years of ministry, I promise you, I've got more than a few stories of church hurt, my own and others. When I left the only other church that I served, I was hurt, I was angry, I was disillusioned, I was planning to quit, 
I was young and dumb, but I knew better even then, better than just run and tell everything to everybody. But, y'all saw a but coming, right? You asked me the right question at the right time, and I told you everything. Right? Just spill it all. And like two minutes in, you're like, I didn't really want all this. Right? After a little while, I heard the Lord tell me really clearly, it's time to stop talking about it. Why? Because I was continuing to re-injure myself every time I told the story. There comes a point where if you intend to walk in victory, you're going to have to stop reliving the defeat. It happened, okay? It happened. It hurt. I'm not minimizing it. I'm saying the only way to move past it is to get the poison out, forgive others, forgive yourself, forgive God, then keep walking. Don't miss this today. You can hold it or God can heal it, but not both. You can hold it or God can heal it, but not both. At some point, you learn to say, you know, that was a rough time, but God has brought me to a good place. At some point, you learn to say, hey, I've learned a lot through that whole process, helped me to grow, helped me to develop, and guess what? It helped me to see a lot of things that I could have, should have, wish I had done differently. You see how different that is? When you're speaking words of, of, of wisdom, you're speaking words of grace over that instead of just spewing the pain of the moment. Those are words of victory, not words of defeat. But you only find those words when you're slow to speak and let God do something on the inside of you. See, God promises victory even in our current circumstances. But again, we have to be careful how we talk about what we're going through even right now. You ever been outside with somebody in the summer and every four minutes they talk about how hot it is? Right? You're just like, I know it's hot. Let's stop talking about it. Right? Or, hey, this is even better. You ever, you're, you're, are you the friend that gets called every time somebody moves? No. Okay, you're the other friend. All right, never mind. So you don't know what I'm talking about. Have you ever helped somebody move a piece of furniture and all they want to talk about is how heavy it is while you're carrying the piece of furniture up the 70-degree slope into the back of the truck? Y'all know, know what this wisdom from the revelation from the Lord, talking about how heavy it is does not make it easier to carry. We need to learn the same thing in our everyday lives. I was in a difficult season recently, and the Lord really, very clearly, like two by four on the forehead, said, stop talking about how hard it is. Just quit talking about how hard it is. Why? Because it just makes the problem seem larger and heavier than it already is. You say, but John, my burden really is heavy. My, my, my problem really is a great big problem. I get that. Mine was too. Let me remind you something that First John said. He said, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So who are you going to magnify? Who are you going to glorify in, in the midst of your situation? Let me remind you that Romans 8 says, there's neither height 
nor depth, nor angels, or demons, or principalities, or power, or things present, or things to come that can ever separate you from the love of the Father. So listen, you just going to stand there and keep talking about how high the mountain is, or are you going to start speaking to it, commanding it to move? You can't walk in victory and talk defeat at the same time. So start speaking life to those areas of your life that you need it. Speak victory over those things. Speak life to yourself. Speak life about your connection to God. Get your eyes and your words off the circumstances and on to the victory. And like, well, John, what's, that's, that's weird, man. Like, in the middle of a hard time, we're just going to ignore what's going on? Well, it's talking about what's going on going to change what's going on? No. So talk about the only thing, the only power in the universe that will change what's going on. So praise God for the strength to make it through. Praise Him that you've been through something before and you're still standing. Praise God for His faithfulness that He's never going to leave you even in the midst of a difficulty. Praise God for a better day that's going to be coming. Praise Him for the lessons that you're learning in the moment. Praise Him for the purification and the refining that's taking place. Stop giving the enemy so much credit. Your God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think or even imagine. Your victory comes from Him. So start talking more to Him and about Him than you do everything else in your life. You can't walk in victory and keep speaking defeat. And that's easier for some of us than others. Some of us are naturally positive and naturally sort of see the bright side. Some of us are really good at snatching defeat out of the jaws of victory. Yes, I said that backwards. How many times do do you say, despite what you've prayed, despite what you said you've believed, how many times have you said, oh, I won't never have anything? I just, I won't ever amount to nothing. I won't ever be anything. It's just who I am. I won't ever change. And if you don't know if you're like that, just ask the people who have to live with you. Stop saying that mess. If you can find that in the Word, then have at it. Otherwise, stop spewing lies of the enemy over yourself in contrast and contradiction to what the Word of God says. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Old things passed away. All things have become new. Your old destination has been canceled. You've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So what might have been true for you at some point in the past is no longer true. You can be whatever God says you can be. You can have whatever God says you can have. You can go wherever God says you can go. You can do whatever God says you can do. When you come into agreement with what the Word says, start speaking that. But you will never walk in victory if all you talk is defeat. It's not name it and claim it. It's not grab it and blab it. It's not all the ridiculous stuff that's been, put, that, that's been sold to us in the past. Repackaged, it's just self-promotion and, 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 and hyper-emotionalism and mostly just a way to make money off, off the backs of, of people who don't know the difference. The Word of God is exactly what I'm telling you. It's exactly what I just said. You have to speak what the Word says. 
darkness over yourself. Some things really are one way or the other. You can't speak life and speak death at the same time. You can't worry and pray at the same time. You can't have faith and have pride at the same time. You can't have victory and speak defeat. Words reveal hearts and motives. Let me ask you one final question. If what you say in prayer is different from what you say everywhere else, which one is God supposed to listen to? Today is the day we ask the Lord to show us our own hearts, our own motives, and help us watch our words. Y'all stand with me, please. We're gonna Bree's gonna sing a song and we're gonna have a time of prayer. After I pray over the, the congregation, we'll ask the just ask you to come to the altar and pray about whatever it is God's leading you to. If you want to respond to this message, then then certainly do that. Here's what you absolutely don't need to do. Don't just go, okay, sermon's over, time, and then your mind go to whatever's next after service. Take the next three or four minutes and see if God might have been talking to you today. And then, most importantly, see what He wants you to do about it. If you want to pray about this, you want to pray about anything going on in your life, if you need a healing in your body, in your mind, in your spirit, if you've got a big decision coming up that you want prayer for, whatever's going on in your life, you want to pray for it, now's the time to do that. And we'd be happy to pray with you. Okay? And most importantly, if you've realized being in the presence of the Lord today, you've realized that you don't have a relationship with Him, but you want to. And you may not even know exactly what that means, but you know something's got to change in your life then we'd love to talk to you about what's next for you, okay? You just come right on down, and we'll be happy to have that conversation. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for word that that steps on our toes and changes our direction and gets our attention because, Lord, we need it. God, we need it. I pray that you'd give us the, the courage now that we've heard what your word says to put it into practice so that we're not just hearers of the word, but we're doers. Pray that you change our lives and change generations of lives as a result. In the name of Jesus, Lord, would you draw people to this altar, the ones that you want to meet here today, would you draw them here in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.